Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Victoria Stapleton, Director of School and Library Marketing at Little Brown Books for Young Readers. This is the Little Brown School and Library Podcast, and I am terribly pleased to welcome you to this episode, gentle listeners, for it features Jen Latham, author of a very acclaimed first novel, Scarlet Undercover, sort of Veronica Mars in Tulsa. That was that was just it was it was a treat. It was a tasty treat of a book. Her newest book is Dreamland Burning, which has received starred reviews from Kirkus, SLJ, and somebody else, probably Booklist, but <laughs> it was Booklist. It was Booklist. Sorry, Dan Krause. <laughs> Sorry, Dan Krause. It was Booklist. Um, this is a, a fantastic, intriguing, challenging novel. It's a vexing novel. I think that's a good word for it. A vexing. Fair enough. I'll go with that. It's a vexing novel that everyone should read. We're becoming a little bit of evangelists here for it. A YA novel. It begins with a young woman, Rowan Chase, making a discovery in her backyard. And it ends, well, perhaps we'll tell you and perhaps we'll make you read it itself. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. It's great to be here. You're only two novels in, right? Is this is this Dreamland is your second novel? Second published. Okay, you're ridiculously good. Thank you. Uh, so you're, it's sort of like you've been publishing the whole way through. So you have an excellent command of how you put stories together, which I think serves you well in Dreamland Burning because uh, how many narratives do we have in this book? We have Rowan's story, uh, we have Will Tillman's story, and then we have a third story, which is sort of hard to describe, of it all coming together. They mesh. How, how do you think, let's talk a little bit first about how you think about plot. I am a plot-as-you-go person. I'm a terrible outliner. If I had had to outline this book, I would have driven myself nuts. Um, it might have been a lot easier in the end, but what I do is I sit down with, uh, every day when I start to write and for this book, it was, I would write for one character one day and finish their section and then move on to the next character because the, the narrative was so interlinked between the two different characters that I couldn't just say, I'm going to do three Rowan sections today and then I'll do three Will sections because I, it just wouldn't have been possible for me. So um, I sit down with a very specific, I want to get this character to this point in the story. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to accomplish for the day rather than word counts, rather than page numbers. I want a certain thing to happen in the story. And that doesn't usually happen, but at least it gives me a goal. Mm -hmm. So I would, for this story, do, um, do say, a Rowan section. And I believe there are two sections for each chapter, for mm -hmm. each narrator. So usually it would take me two or three days to do one section in one chapter for one character. And that's how the plot built as it went. The two plots progressed in my mind together. And I honestly did not know, other than the major, major arc, where they were going bit by bit. And so then the third story actually comes out of how the two fit together. Yes? But yeah, sure. Uh, because what I have not told you, listeners, is that Rowan's story occurs in our time, and Will's story occurs historically. 1921. And the third story is the resonance between the two stories, the space between them, and how that time is reconstructed and how we think about that time. So there's that magical third place of narrative where we fill in all of that between them. 
I'm fascinated you say you plot as you go. Do you know the end from the beginning? I, for this book, I knew one thing that would happen in the end. And because I was working from an actual historical event for Will's story, the characters I wrote are completely fictional. Mm-hmm. But the, the Tulsa Race Riot, which a lot of people would much prefer to call the Tulsa Race Massacre, is it, it had a beginning and an end point. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it was kind of a luxury for me of being a seat of the pantser to have a scaffolding to build the pacing of the story on and the actual history. Um, so in that sense, I had that was kind of a gimme. I knew how the riot was going to end. It wasn't a good ending. But you knew it had an ending. You had a defined plot point. Yeah. But in the case of Rowan, you didn't. No, and Rowan was way harder. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by this because we think about plot as a scaffold. You don't have a scaffold really as much for Rowan. Did you know Rowan's end from no, the beginning? I did not. I didn't even know Rowan's beginning until I was halfway through the book. I had to go back. You had to go back. Yes, I did. What did you discover about Rowan in the process? What did you discover about that story? I mean, it took me a long time to get to like Rowan and feel like I knew how to write her voice. Mm -hmm. And that I beat my head against the wall a lot. There were a lot of versions of Rowan before I figured out through writing her over and over in different ways who she actually was. I love this answer because we began talking about plot. And in the case of Will's story, it's specific events. But Rowan's plot is revealed by understanding Rowan's character and the logic of Rowan's character. Mm -hmm. And that it, that sounds like something you didn't really understand. No, I struggled with Rowan. I'm I'm more proud of Rowan at this point than Will because mm -hmm. Will Will was just a voice in my head, and he came out. And I love Will dearly. Um, I I had to. Rowan was one of those difficult relationships where you have to work to establish your ties to this person and then go through some difficulties. And then you really forge something that feels real and honest. I'm sort of stumbling towards something. Um, I've had a lot of uh, discussions with authors lately about the balance between uh, what we call character or voice and plot and, and world building. I had a really interesting discussion with a middle grade author the other day about this. But I think you've said something that sort of illuminated it for me. I think we think of the relationship of character and plot. The character makes sense with the plot in that the psychology of the character meshes with the plot. I hadn't really thought about it, this, but and I'm having a brainwave, and I'm sorry, listeners across the virtual waves, if I am not caught up with you. Yeah, no comments from you in the peanut gallery. That it's not really a plot until the character makes sense. Mm -hmm. Just the events are just a mass of events Absolutely. because they don't have perspective yes and i i think the the part of writing that i have to work at the hardest is plot and this was a massive exercise in that what comes more naturally to me were our characters and their voices and so that's why it was such a kind of it was a smack in the face starting to work on dreamland because rowan didn't come to me naturally and it was the first time i'd ever had to really work to get the character and not just the plot is there a moment you can identify in which the character and thus the plot snapped in? Um, yeah, it was after a really rough spell of just, I can't get this done. And um, honestly, just as a practical detail, my family went away for a week. <laughs> and I actually, because in the story, the, um, the body is discovered in a back house in this neighborhood in Tulsa. And the actual idea for Rowan's narrative came from 
this, this sounds really grand, and in Rowan's case it is, they're a wealthy family, we're not. But our house has a back house that was a mess, and we kind of fixed it up, and I went and lived in the back house for a week. And it was living in this place where I had seen an actual hole in the floor when they were doing some construction work. Mm -hmm. That I had to live there and sleep there and eat out there. That was when it really clicked. I think that's, we're going to come back to that because there was already a topic I was going to talk to you about. And I think you've cottoned on mm -hmm. to the idea of place, but you've given me like the fire of how to get at that question. You talk about Rowan as somebody that it was hard for you to like. Do you have to like your characters to, to write about them? No. Did you come to like Rowan? I love Rowan now. Is, is the loving of Rowan, I'm going to ask this, well, maybe it's not weird. I'm just going to go ahead. Is the loving of Rowan for herself alone or for your mastery of her as yeah. a character? I don't think I could ever master her. I, I wouldn't love her if I could. So I think my love for her is she feels like a real person to me mm -hmm. and she's complicated and wasn't easy. And that's where my connection to her is because she feels like a real teenager to me. I, I, now I'm de derailed because I was all about, I was going to be like, let's put all the plots together and let's talk about the plots. And we'll come back to that in a second. I promise listeners, I promise we will. But this goes back to another set of conversations I've been having with authors about not necessarily the likability of characters, but complexity of character. And what's the tolerance for a complexity in a character? And it sounds like part of what you were dealing with as a writer is just processing the amount of complexity in this character that came to you, but is partly your own creation, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some expression of your creativity. Would you have preferred her? to be less complex? Oh, absolutely not. Even if a character's complexity doesn't come out fully in the book itself, mm -hmm. they have to be that complex for you as you're writing them. In fact, I think you have to pull back quite a bit to not dump everything you know about this person out on the page. Which asks, I have a related question, how much work do you want the reader to do? I would like to have readers put as much work into the character as they choose to, mm -hmm. have it stand if a reader just wants to go through quickly and get the story. But I would really love for my books to be the kind that people want to read a second time because they realize that maybe there's more they could have gotten from and those characters. Are you okay, having not put every bit of complexity of Rowan into the book, you, I'm assuming you still have some complexity of her just in your own mind that didn't make it onto the page. Mm -hmm. How comfortable are you with multiple versions of Rowan? In readers' minds? Yes. Oh, ab perfectly. I assume that there are an infinite number. Not everybody does that. <laughs> Not everybody has that letting go of the character. I, I would drive myself. I, I don't think I could keep writing if I couldn't let go of the characters and let them be them. It's, it's a little bit like having kids. You create these characters, mm -hmm. but you can't control their pathway through the world. I like that. So Will has a relatively straightforward sequence of events mm -hmm. that we call the plot. And Rowan has had a, a more um, convoluted progress toward her plot. And it's interesting to think about how her plot arises out of her character. Does Will's character arise out of his plot, out of his sequence of events? Because that was more, because it's based on historical uh, historical events, that, that sequence was easier to arrive at. What was the track of Will's character development 
And how is that different from Rowan's? Because they, they seem to have an inverse development. I think the character development was so dependent on the issues and the events they were dealing with. And mm -hmm. Will's were much more clear cut. And I was much more confident of where I wanted Will to go as a character. Mm -hmm. I knew his starting point. I knew where I wanted him to end. Not with a specific event, but just in terms of his growth as a person. Mm -hmm. Whereas Rowan, I really didn't know. And Rowan was dealing with not just a concrete historical event that also had complex social events underlying it. She was dealing with the complexity of the historical event, all the intervening events, and then the complexity of what's happening now yes. in her world. So she, there was so much more going on with her, which is not to diminish the complexity and importance of what Will was dealing with. There are just more layers. There are just more layers. And I appreciate that. But I suppose I wonder um, about Will as a character to hear that he was easier to write when arguably his the sequence of events that he had to deal with were more difficult. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a, a way for us to ponder what difficult means, either morally or physically or, or psychologically, because his events in some ways are, are extremely cut and dried. They're almost easier than hers. They're less complex. Because the right and wrong of it seems pretty, to our eyes, pretty pretty straightforward. We have the benefit of hindsight for him yes. in some sense, yeah. Hmm. But at the same time, I think that even during in 1921, mm -hmm. when these events occurred, there was a much more clear-cut societal division that it was acceptable to talk about. Okay. And it was commonly acknowledged, not necessarily as a problem, but just as the way things were. Yeah. Whereas today, these issues are not easy to talk about. Mm -hmm. They're not pulled out into the open. They're, yeah. Which is actually what happened after the race riot. And I, I hate to keep referring to it that way. No. But um, that historically is what it is referred to okay. as. But time kind of, this Tulsa closed in over the event. It was like it went underwater and the ripples died and nobody talked about it. And that's what makes things today so complicated is that yes. nobody talked about them then. And it's still so hard to talk about it now. See, I guess I have a lot of sympathy for Will, and so I don't want him to come across uh, as simplistic or simple, because he's not. And I'm he's trying not. to get a sense of how you put his moral complexity into this, because the pro I, I'm asking a maybe an unaskable question of a writer, but you've, there is such a different dynamic in how you constructed the stories. One began from character, one began from the sequence of events. And I think we understand how plot arose out of Rowan. I guess I'm trying to understand how Will rose out of the plot. What Will did was harder than what Rowan is doing. Because we, in hindsight, can say, yes, if you did X during this event, you were just either a really bad person or... Hero a, of the ages. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, I think it's much more clear cut, but at the same time, Will is, he's not, he. I don't want to give anything away, but he doesn't come through as a superhero. He's mm -hmm. a real person yes. making real decisions in relationship to his two friends. Yes. Um, Ruby and Joseph, who also are dealing with these events from their perspective in yes. society. So Will is framed much more in relationship to Ruby and Joseph than Rowan is with her best friend, James. Okay. I see. I think that's where we get to it. Is it like the, the, character dimension coming out of the plot is not so much the sequence of events it's how the sequence of events affects the other people and mm -hmm. that's where the moral complexity comes out mm -hmm. of 
and Rowan in some ways is less connected to people than Will is. I mean, there's a difference in the depiction of yes. how of how that is. And Rowan has a much easier relationship with her parents than yeah. Will does with his. There's there's less choices that she's making than Will is making. Yeah. So I I think that's that's a, an intriguing thought. Um, there's so much to crunch over in this book because I said, as I said, there's there's Rowan's plot, there's Will's plot, and then again there is how we think about these two stories and the plot we make up in our own head. And but then there's also how did you fit the two plots together mechanically? Mechanic. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a mechanical that you spoke of how your of your writing process. Did any part of Will's plot, did you have to do revision to either of these plots based on the other? Constantly, yes. So this was, uh, I'm kind of old school. I just work in Word documents anyway mm -hmm. and lift chunks of text. I don't, I, I, I just do things old school. But with this one, I actually printed things out and worked with sticky notes mm -hmm. because there were some things that were so minute. And if I gave one thing away at the wrong point, then the next, it, it, it just ruined things. Yeah. So it was incredibly intricate. It was fun. It was a puzzle to put mm -hmm. together, but it took all my energy. I had to disappear into that story because otherwise the, the details of the two narratives would have gotten jumbled. I, I, I think there could just be a master class on how these are put together because, you know, we spent so much time talking about Rowan because it's her interaction with her story, but it's her interaction with Will's story in a way she can't perceive. And that third story is seeing how she does that from a, from a higher perspective. And I will be chewing over this novel probably five or ten years from now, which is not a bad thing to do. The Back House. I, and listeners know this from an earlier podcast where we talk about road trips uh, with mom. Uh, and I say, hi, mom. But I moved around a lot as as a child in the United States. And I have long been fascinated by place and the connection to place that I wouldn't see in other literature. I remember when I went to, I did a graduate degree in biblical studies and the idea of place and how it makes us is so important. And yet I didn't really feel that sort of connection. I know Oregon, yes, you've heard me, but it's in, as I started to think about it, how do we as Americans necessarily connect to place at such a primal level and how does it, and how do we react to it? Because we do move around a lot. We do move around. For me, and I was an army brat, mm -hmm. we didn't ever land in the middle of the country. We kind of bopped back and forth between coasts. And if mm -hmm. you asked me where home was, I would say it's Western New York, the Buffalo area. Mm -hmm. So that's where my grandparents were. Um, for me, I found my sense of place through the people. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe why I'm more character driven as a writer, because I spent a lot of time looking in from the outside, trying to figure out how to be in those different places. And it's very different being in San Francisco on the Presidio in the 70s than it is being in Augusta, Georgia uh, for middle school which was not my favorite, mm -hmm. not because of Georgia, because of middle school. Well, we, it is known. Middle school is Sorry. no on that. No on that. Sorry. <laughs> More power to everybody working with middle schoolers. They're my oh, yeah. favorite. I love them now, but it's hard All right. to be We on. salute you middle grade teachers. Um, I'm so sorry. Uh, but continue on. Well, I guess so, so for me, I think maybe as Americans, our sense of place, we might not realize it, but it's defined by the people around us. Mm -hmm. And the physical aspects of a place definitely influence it. Mm -hmm. But more than that, I think it's the connections that people form and how that's shaped by the feel of a town. Well, I, I like how you're talking about place, but it's really interesting to me how in your the two sides of your story, the sense of place, especially in light of what you said about plot, affects the characters. Uh, you know, Rowan 
is a pretty subtle teen. She does not know a lot of insecurity, physical insecurity. I mean, obviously she's a teen, so, you know, teen things. But she doesn't know a lot of physical insecurity. She thinks she knows where she lives. But the discovery of a skeleton in her back house that completely that that changes her perception of where she lives and that takes her on on a on a journey of uncovering and and it kind of rips away the perspective that she had of her place at the same time in will's story that plot is the erasure of a place and a sense of belonging yeah yeah and i think we, I don't want to make it too specific to Tulsa, but no. in a way, this this book is kind of a love story to Tulsa because I think every place is complicated once you take the time to know it mm-hmm. and think about what it is to live there. And mm-hmm. because I moved to Tulsa as an adult, mm-hmm. and I was actually a parent by the time we moved there, uh, I, I approached it much, much differently than I did anywhere I lived before. I'm not, I've never been a history buff, mm-hmm. but... That, that this event happened in Tulsa, and it was being reported by the New York Times as we moved there, mm-hmm. what had happened in 1921. It, it, it was just so seamlessly woven into the fabric of the town, but never spoken about and never dealt with. It, it's almost like it had been put to bed, but it was waking up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so this event, the Tulsa Race Rides, becomes a character yes. in its own right, with its own psychology. It's yes. almost... I say character because the other characters, just as Will is relating to the events based on Ruby and Joseph, and Rowan is having her own struggles relating to her family and friends discovering this event, the ride itself, how people in the town in both periods relate to it in Rowan's time frame and in Will's time frame, that it, it becomes almost a person in its mm-hmm. own right because it's, de- it's defined by them. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean defined even by covering up and erased, because it's not really erased, is it? It's waiting. It it's was waiting. close to erased. It was as close to being erased as an event this massive could be, I think. Mm-hmm. After it happened, um, it basically took place over two days, over mm-hmm. an evening and uh, a morning stretching into a day. This entire 35 blocks of, of homes and businesses was just gone. Yeah. And aid was denied to the town. So Tulsa decided not to take any of the donations that were coming in. Greenwood, the neighborhood that I'm talking about, actually did rebuild, but they tried to zone it so that it couldn't be homes anymore. It was basically a forced, it was an attempted forced relocation Mm -hmm. of Tulsa's African-American community. Even as that was happening though, African-American families didn't talk about it. Of course, not every family. Yeah. But as a whole, this event was not discussed. White families in south of the railroad tracks in Tulsa did not talk about it. So I actually heard a group of alumni from Booker T. Washington High School, which was the high school in Greenwood mm-hmm. during the novel and is still there. It's an integrated school now. It's really wonderful. But these were alumni ranging from 45 to 60 years old. And these are people who had never heard about the race riot until they were in their 30s and 40s because it was just not discussed. So in that sense, yeah, there's a dim awareness that it happened, but families didn't maintain those stories in a way that was shared outside of the immediate family if they did talk about it. And now I'm thinking just of the back house that you were working in and the hole in the floor and how 
your story almost grew up out of that hole in the floor. Oh, absolutely. But that's a hole in the floor. There's a hole in the neighborhood. There's a hole in the narrative. And we can sort of grow around it, but sometimes, hopefully, that what's in that void will come back out again. You can plant things in holes, too. You can plant <laughs> things in holes. Hmm. I have so much to think about this, but we don't have forever and a day to talk about this. Jen, thank you so much. Thank you. For being with us. Uh, listeners across the virtual waves and friends through the universe. This has been the Little Brown School and Library podcast with me, Victoria Stapleton, and Jennifer Latham, author of the vexingly exquisite, or the exquisitely vexing, depending on your taste, Dreamland Burning. If you have not ordered it, order it. If you have not read it, read it. If you have not run to your library shelf and ripped it from the library shelves and devoured it, you should do that right now. We'll see you next time. Thank you.